Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband. Our daf for the day, Masachat Yuma, daf Kaf Chet, page 28. So this daf is a split between the old parak and the new parak. I want to just first finish off a little bit of the discussion about the czar, the non-Kohen, and the question of the death sentence and the two logs and everything like that. And then we're going to shift into, you know, a whole new zone, I guess, with the new parak. So, um, okay. So the 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 fact is the this discussion about the czar, as I said, the non-Kohen who organizes, who or, who arranges these two logs, right? The zirei itzim, the shnei zirei itzim. On, um, they say that he's subject to get a death penalty, right? And so then the question is, but why, right? That's that's the kind of been the hovering question throughout our discussion. We didn't even really talk about it, but it does seem to be like an open question. How is this act by the czar, by the non-Kohen, such uh, such an important thing that it would merit the death penalty on his part? So the Gemara here says, it's a whole discussion of Rav Yochanan's position throughout, and I'm just doing it really off the daf in the interest of time, but basically the idea is that the the act of separating out these logs is considered a complete act, because then it's not like a prelude to something else that the Kohen will come along and and fix or complete let's say rather it's considered its own complete act so then the gemara says well one second if it's a complete act then shouldn't it get a lottery meaning shouldn't it get its own lottery as its own separate act and then of course the gemara says like one second we've just already been talking all this time about it being part of the lottery and the gemara says well no we didn't mean just part of the lottery to really be its own thing so I do find it interesting that the idea that the czar, that the non-Kohen doing a complete act is what would incur the death penalty in terms of it being um, something, as I say, is it important enough? Is it a violation of the Kohen not doing it, right? It seems to be that if you're going to break, and, and this is a little bit, you know, off the cuff, but it, if you break down all of the different component parts of the avoda and you think that the Kohen has to be doing all of those component parts, then if a czar would participate in some of it, but it's really the Kohen who's still mainly the main guy doing it, then that would presumably not incur a death penalty as compared to something that is its, you know, that stands on its own and really it should have been done by a Kohen. And then the czar doing it has kind of, I don't know, overstepped the bounds in a, in what really is a bigger way than it sounds like to begin with, I guess. Um, so that's one thing. Um, um, okay, I think, I think actually that's enough to close it off, right? Meaning the Gemara also addresses, you know, how does this case compare to the question of shrita, right? We raised the question of slaughtering, um, the other day and the idea that slaughtering should also maybe have its own, um, lottery. Isn't that its own, isn't that its own act? own act as well and we said no because that's such an important thing in that it it begins the day it's kind of in its the shrit is it's in its own category but this idea again the death penalty anything that requires a death penalty is a complete act which seems to require its own lottery but a lottery can sometimes be subsumed under the other lottery uh depending on how how the whole rest of the day is organized as we've been discussing i i do find this page this amud or this part of this Amun, um, to need a little bit of thump, right? Like where you go, if you read through all of the lines, you say, well, if this, then that, then the other thing, and now we've got our conclusion. Um, but that's, that's the bottom line. But again, I'll go back to what I said yesterday, is that I think 
the lottery system is puzzling because it doesn't seem to fit with the internal structure of the avoda. And so I think what they're trying to parse out, you know, starting on Chav Zayin and going through Chav Chet, is can they find t- some type of internal logic here? Yeah, I like that. And I, I'm not sure that we have arrived at their internal logic, but also we are learning Dafyomi. And perhaps if we would now take Chav Zayin and Chav Chet as, as Iyun, and maybe even going back to Chav Gav, Chav Chet, and, you know, pay a little attention to the lottery throughout the whole parak we might actually come to a system of logic because they clearly prize the lottery system. It, it seems to have been a necessity that they were glad to implement at the end of the day. Yes, I would agree with that. It's, it's what, and, and seemed to also be a very essential part of how things were just run. But I think right. the other thing to realize is it's clear to me this was a bite Shaney innovation. This, I don't think this was part of bite Rishon. Oh, I think that you're completely right. I hadn't even thought about the fact that I've just been functioning on the assumption that all of this was by a Cheney. Um, I guess because we kind of assume all the troubles between the Kohanim and the fighting and the corruption, it, it all smacks of by a Cheney, even though I can't say for sure it never happened by a Rishon. Yeah, it just, the whole thing is very by Cheney heavy. And so I think it's also interesting to just think about how different the two but, you know, how different the two temples were. There really were significant differences, which then leads me to, and I guess I'll just end with this question and then you can go to the Mishnah, you know, how different will Bayit Shlishi be? I mean, to that, that's a good question. Okay, the Mishnah. So the fact is our new parak, Parak Shlishi, is really talking about the fixed avoda. That would be, it begins with what was fixed daily, right? Because that is partially what's going to happen on Yom Kippur as well. And eventually, you know, the Gemara, the Masachet as a whole is going to move into the specifics of Yom Kippur. But we're, we've done the week before. We've done era of Yom Kippur. And now we're at the beginning of Yom Kippur, except for that it's not Yom Kippur-y, meaning we're talking about things that happen in a daily way that also happen on Yom Kippur. So the mission is as follows. Amar lehem hamnuna. So first of all, it sounds to me like <laughs> it's really very interesting. It kind of starts in the middle of a discussion, right? Amar lahem hamnuna, who's lahem, right? Um, it starts in the middle of a discussion, which is strange because we're at the beginning of a parak where you would expect it to be a little introductory. So hamnuna, sorry, hamnuna, not hamnuna. Hamnuna is actually the name of a person. This is the person who is appointed, the kohen who is appointed to be, I don't know, the guy in charge of that day. He is now talking to lahem to the other kohanim. So uru im higiyaz man hashchita. Go out and see if it's if it's arrived if the time for the slaughtering of the of the korban tamid in the morning has arrived. Meaning, is it early enough? Is day broke broken? Has have have we reached daybreak? That didn't sound right. In Higia, Omer Barkai. If in fact it is the beginning of the dawn, then that the person who spots it will say Barkai, meaning there is light. Mati ben Shmuel Omer Heir Pnei Kol Hamizrach Ad Shebechavron. So Mati Ben Shmuel says the question was, he says that the question was phrased a little differently. He says, can you see the entire eastern sky? Meaning that it was illuminated, that it was lit up all the way to Chevron. And then the, the, the Kohen who can see it says yes, as opposed to saying Barkai. It's a different uh, rendition of what this process was in the morning. And yet the question, the, the fundamental need is the same, meaning is it light enough to begin? Why did they need to do this at all? 
ודימו שאיר מזרח, ושחטו את התלמיד, והוציאוהו לבית השריפה. So one time there was a mistake. As often happens, we know things get corrected when there is a mistake. So this mistake was that it was a very brilliant moonrise. And they thought that it was morning. And they did the shechita, they did the slaughtering for the korban of the morning. But it was still the nighttime. So then they took the korban out for the place where it's burned. And then they realized that they had done the shechita too early. So they said, well, we're never going to do that again. We're going to check every single day to make sure that, in fact, it's really actually light enough to get on with the day of the day and not, you know, not fall prey to thinking that it's the moonlight, that the moonlight is the sunlight. So then, after they begin the start of the day, meaning they announce that, yes, it's daybreak, they bring the Kohen Gadol to the Beit HaTfila, which is where he's going to dunk, and the Mikvah, they had a general principle in the temple, anybody who covers his legs, covers his legs, is a, a euphemism here for defecating okay that's the i guess a technical more technical term so then they say anybody who has done so needs to feel you need to go dunk in the mikveh you're you mentioned this uh i don't know a few episodes ago and anybody who urinates needs to simply wash his hands and feet um afterwards so that there's a recognition that the bodily functions um the have a greater and lesser impact on the body as a whole in terms of tumantara I don't know that we ne- necessarily think that soa, right, that feces is necessarily matame, that it's necessarily going to make somebody impure. His entirety of being is to now do the service on behalf of the of the whole people. Right. But let's look carefully at the language. It's not talking about this in, tum- in terms of tumantara. I think it's more about like creating an appropriate separation, like the coin gadol is really involved in the spiritual. And this is probably the most part of what's most physical about us as humans is our need to go to the bathroom. And so I think this tefillah or this kiddush yadayim v'raglayim is just sort of an appropriate separation um, that needs to take place, you know, before he can sort of go back into that spiritual realm of doing the avoda. Right. I would almost say that kiddush here, for all that it means sanctification, I'm not saying it doesn't, but I think it carries with it the connotation of kind of refresh to come back to being sanctified as opposed to what we might think of to be metaher, which is to purify I, I, from. I totally agree with you. I think the language is very deliberate. It is not, this is not an issue of tumantara. It's not that you're tummy when you go to the bathroom, but it's about okay. elevating the person before it's, ele- it's an elevation of the Kohen Gadol before he begins the avoda. I really hope the Kohen Gadol doesn't um, need to go to the bathroom when he gets nervous. Well, but yeah, but that's the whole thing that we read about, you know, why they, you know, feed him different foods and things like that. Right, right. I know. I know. All right. I'm going to move on uh, to an interesting um, piece here about Abraham. And this sort of deals with this whole question of sort of what's the relationship between Torah and the others, right? Like we know that Abraham is the founder of monotheism, but what does that mean? So that's believing in God. But our expression of monotheism is that we ascribe to the Torah and doing all these mitzvot, but we know that the Torah was given in a particular time, right? The generation of Matan Torah, those who left in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And so this is one of these famous gemars that sort of explores what's the relationship between the Avot, specifically Avraham, and the Torah, which was obviously given much later than him. 
So the Gemara is sort of begins with a discussion of trying to figure out what's the right time for bringing the afternoon korban tamid, and it says Amar of Safra Silute de Abraham Mike Mashlire Kotle. So let's say that the time of the afternoon prayer, right, um, you know, which really is talking about mincha here, is when Abraham is is it's the time for the afternoon prayer is of Abraham when the walls start to be darkened with shadows, basically. So in other words, after midday, when the sun starts to set, right, it's no longer at its high point, that's when, um, that is when you would start, that's that's when the appropriate time would be to bring this Korban Tami. Amar Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, right, Anan me Avraham nikum benigmar. So he says, do we go ahead and do we learn from Avraham? And this is such a great question, right? Because how is it that you could say, basically, um, that you would learn anything from Avraham? Um, you know, right? Because the idea here is, you know, what do you mean you're learning halacha from Abraham? Is Abraham really a, a source for anything? Amar Rabbah. So Rabbah says, Tana gemar me Abraham, right? A Tana can learn from Abraham. And we should not learn from him, right? So he's saying, what do you mean? So he's saying, so Rabbah is now going to bring a brisa where we see, because remember, this is a discussion among the Amariah. So now he's going to bring a brisa written by a Tana where the Tana is going to learn something from Avraham. And so Rav is saying, well, the Tanayim can learn from Avraham and use Avraham as a source. Rav Yosef, how can we Amorayim also not use him? Of course we can use Avraham as a source. So what does it say? Titania, um, we learned in Abraisa, Ubayom Hashmini, you mold besar arleto. Right? So on the eighth day, this is the commandment for circumcision. On Vayikra, uh, chapter 12, verse 3. So notice, you know, this is what it is. Milamech, Akolayom, Kasher, Lamila. So this teaches us, right, where it says on the day, eighth day, you, uh, you know, the, 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 the circumcision should be done. It teaches us the whole day is okay. Elisha has reason, except that we say, right, and we've seen this phrase before, that it's good for the zealous, right, the, the, to do mitzvot early. How do we know that? Right? When Abraham goes to do um, the mitzvah, of, um, uh, you know, of, uh, and this is actually has to do with the Akeda. It doesn't have to do with, uh, with Yitzchak's circumcision. This is a pasuk from Bereshit, Chaf Bet, Gimel. So it's interesting. It's not even learning it from Abraham who did the mitzvah of circumcision. It's just the idea of Zrizim Makdim and Lemitzvot, we learn from Abraham. And so therefore we should do bris milah the way Abraham did all mitzvot, right? Not the mitzvah of bris milah specifically, and do it early. But the point of this brisa is, is that this Tana, who taught this brisa, brings, learn something from Abraham. So now the Gemara is going to ask a different question. Ella Amar Rabba, Rabba is going to change the question. Rav Yosef, ha what, yo, what, what this is what Rav Yosef has trouble with. Ditznan, we learned in a Mishnah. Chal arve p'sachin liyop Arab Shabbat, right? So this is the Mishnah we've learned. If Arab Pesach falls out on Arab Shabbat, right, like we had this year, Nishat Bishesh Umechatz. Oh, sorry, not like this year. This year, Arab Pesach was on Shabbos itself. This, sorry, like take that back. All right. Chal Arve Pesachim Liyot Be'Arab Shabbat. So Arab Pesach falls out on Arab Shabbat. It falls out on a Friday. Nishat Bishesh Umechatz. So remember, everything of the, you know, the Shechting of the Korban Pesach is moved up. So the Korban Tamid, right, needs to be done at six and a half hours. Right, as opposed to when it's normally done, it's right because you need to make sure you have enough time to shuffle the korb or the korban pesach. The kareid the and it's offered at seven and a half hours. 
But according to Rav Safra, this is Rabba's question, right? Talking about what's difficult for Rabbi Yosef, right? Why don't we just say that you can slaughter it right away when the walls become darkened? In other words, do it right at noon at Chatzot. Why do you have to wait till six and a half hours? What do you have to wait for this extra half hour? So the Gemara basically says, My Kusha right? Perhaps the walls of the of the Beit Hamikdash only became darkened at six and a half. Mishum because they're not exactly straight, right? And now again, they say something interesting. Maybe Abraham was different. Right? The, this word I'm not going to say correctly. right? All right, Maybe he understood astrology very well. Okay. So meaning like astrology was in his, it was in his heart. And there are other Gemaras that talk about this where he could really tell exactly when midday was. So in other words, we do six and a half because we're not totally sure that we got it right. But Abraham knew exactly, right? Or maybe it was that Abraham, right, was an, was an elder, was a Zakain, okay, who was a, uh, who was, and, and remember, Zakin is some people say is Zekana, like it's someone who acquired, okay? Abraham, you know, basically was a, was basically knew Torah very well. Um, and he was always in the yeshiva. And therefore, you know, um, how would he, of course, he wouldn't pray before the proper time, right? Of course, he would know exactly when you were allowed to pray. What I'm interested in here is this concept of Inami Mishum de Zakin that Abraham sat in the yeshiva. And so what we see here is what the Gemara is going to do. And now I'll read the rest of the passage here is that the Avos learned in the yeshiva, that there was some type of Torah learning, that this idea of the Beit Midrash started with the Avos and wasn't something that was new. And so, and remember, we don't see, you know, an evidence of, there's no mention in Nach of yeshivot, right? But this is something that we're going to say that was even as early as Abraham. So now the Gemara is going to explain this to Amar Rabbi Chama be Rabbi Chanina. So Rabbi Chama says in Rabbi Chanina, From the days of our forefathers, right, there always were yeshivot. When they were in Egypt, there was a yeshiva with, with them. Right? So here they're quoting a pasuk from, uh, from uh, Shemot uh, chapter 3, verse 16, right? It's saying, go and gather the Zakanim of Yisrael. Again, the word Zakain, right, is supposed to be code for somebody who's sitting in a yeshiva. So this was a Mitzrayim. Hayuba Midbar Yeshiva Mehem. When they were in the Midbar, there was. And now they're going to quote a Pasuk here that is from Bamidbar, uh, chapter 11, verse 16. Right, Shinemar, Asfali Shivim Ish Mizikne Yisrael. Right, Moshe says, Gather for me these 70 Zakanim. Right, so again, the word Zakain indicates yeshiva. And we're going to say even Abraham Avinu Zakin B'yoshev Yeshiva Haya. Even Abraham used to sit in the Yeshiva. Shenem Abraham Zakin B'yamim, right? So it says, right, this is from Bereshit. Um, and again, this is the chapter that talks about when Abraham tries to get Yitzchak a wife. So this is chapter 24, verse 1, that Abraham was a Zakin, right? We always say it means he was older. He needed to think about that to get Yitzchak a wife. But it's, they're saying no, it means he sat in the Yeshiva, Right? And now we also say Yitzchak Avinu Zakin B'yoshev B'shiva Haya. Even Yitzchak sat in one Shanemar. Vayhiki Zakin Yitzchak. Right. So here, this is a pasuk from also from Bereshit. This is chapter twenty-seven, verse one, that says that Yitzchak was old. Right. We would translate it as Yitzchak, but here they mean it. It's an elder. It's somebody who sat in the yeshiva. 
Yaakov Avinu second to Yoshe Bishiva. Right now we're going to bring a pasuk for Yaakov. So this is going to be in Bereshit chapter forty-eight, verse ten. Yisrael kabdu Right, that his eyes were heavy from eight, right. We normally translate this from age, but here we mean it also to be um, to be an elder. Eliezer Evan Abraham Zakin Yoshe Bishiva. Even Eliezer. The servant of Abraham, he also sat in the yeshiva. Right? Eliezer was the zakain of the house of Abraham. And again, here they quote a pasuk here. This is Breshid chapter 24, verse 2. The same chapter we quoted to, to prove that Abraham sat in the yeshiva. So now, then the Gemara is going to talk. Right, I'll skip this next part just for the sake of time about how we know, you know, a little bit more about Eliezer. And then the Gemara goes on again more about talking about Abraham and his Torah scholarship, right? So not only are they going to say that everybody, there always were yeshivot, even from the time of Abraham for every generation, but Abraham fulfilled the whole Torah, right? The idea that somehow he did all the mitzvot that were in the Torah, even before Matan Torah. Right? So it says, because Abraham um, obeyed my voice. And this is a pasuk from Bereshit, uh, chapter 26, verse 5, right? So the idea is what would Koli be, right? It, it's everything. So that has to be everything from God's Torah, right? And I think also that's playing up on because we know that the Torah, I'm going to say this, was also given Bekol, right? If you look at the chapter of Matan Torah, there's this whole theme of the Kol of Hashem, all the Kolot that they hear. So I think it's also picking up on the, the, the concept of Bekol is very much connected to Matan Torah. Amar le Rav Simi Barchia le Rav. So Rav Simi Barchia said to Rav, "Amai Sheva Mitzvot." Okay, why don't you just say he followed the Sheva Mitzvot? Why do you have to say it's the whole Torah that Abram did? We know the Sheva Mitzvot were around; they were given right the seven Noahide laws. Those were given around. The Gemara answers, "Ha Eka Nami Mila," but we also had circumcision that he did, so we know he obviously did more than just those. So once we say that there's, you know, so once we're saying he did circumcision, so maybe he did do the whole Torah. So again, they're going to challenge us, but Amai Sheva Mitzvot Mila. Okay, so just say he did the seven mitzvot of B'nai Noah, and he did Mila. So the Gemara responds, Amar Lei, so Rav says to Rav Shimi, Imkei mitzvotai v'toratai, lama li. What does it mean, right, in this uh, in this uh, pasuk here, right, that, that where it says that he kept, um, right, that if you read that whole pasuk, sorry, I didn't read the whole pasuk before. The, the whole pasuk says, right, right, that that Moshe sort of, uh, sorry, that Abraham followed my 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 commandments and my statutes and all of these things. Sorry, look look up that whole pasuk, um, and uh, in uh, in in Genesis in chapter uh pasuk um, and so therefore that has to refer to the whole Torah, and so again the Gemara is going to go and say. Amar, um, Amar, Rabbi of Itzmei, Rabbi Ashi. Rabbi said, and some say, Rabbi Ashi, Kim Abraham Avinu Afilu Erev Tavshilin. So now this is interesting. Not only are they going to say that Abram kept Torah Shabbat, he even kept Torah Shabbat in the sense of he kept the things that the rabbis made as halacha much, much later, right? Shene Amar Torati, and then again, quoting the same pasuk, Atat Torah Shabbat, Vachad Torah Shabbat, Vachad Torah Shabbat very, very interesting passage, right? We're going from saying Abraham just learned in yeshiva to then saying, no, he kept Torah Shabbat to then going to know even Torah Shabbat And I think the goal of this Gemara is, is to show that 
you know, there's an uncomfortableness or there's a challenge that's present with saying, you know, Abraham is the forefather of our nation. But yet at the same time, we know what what defines us as Jews is us keeping the Torah. But yet we know that Abraham lived before the Torah was given. And so I think theologically they're trying to sort of put into place again. Do I think they really believe this 100 percent? But the notion is to say is that I think they don't want anyone to challenge and say, oh, you could be like Abraham and you don't really have to keep the Torah, right? You could just believe in monotheism. Maybe that's all that Abraham wanted. And so I think what they're trying to say here is, no, they're trying to connect Abraham to the Torah, to Torah Shabbat, to Torah Shabbat, because otherwise there could be a, a, a challenge to our keeping Torah, because one could argue and come back and say, this is only given to a certain generation. What are you going to say that Abraham wasn't a good Jew? Maybe doing what Abraham did was good enough. So it's interesting that this last point that you came around to is really what I was going to comment, that I think that there's like a a tacit motivation by Chazal here to the same way that we talk about asmachtot in a halachic situation, right? To say that we're going to connect the the halacha that we know to be an important halacha. We're going to give it a peg in the Torah. We're going to give it a verse to attach it to, even though it's not necessarily per se derived from, from that verse originally. So this is a different kind of thing, but conceptually kind of, kind of related to it in the same way that we're going to find a, an asmachta, so to speak, a, a peg in Avraham to, to hang all of this on. Right. I totally agree with that. And, um, you know, it's just, again, this is a very famous passage and it's just interesting to see sort of the existence. And this is where you sort of get this type of thing from, you know, that Avraham somehow, you know, kept the actual Torah itself. Well, that's okay. I want to just one other. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. One, just one other thing is that also, let's keep in mind, Avram didn't have a Beit HaMikdash. Avram didn't have an Avodat Yom HaKippurim. So to connect this chapter, right, this content of Arma Sechet here to Avram really is making this connection that might not be a default when you think about Avram to begin with, right? He's not a, it's not that there's no Karbanot. He offers Karbanot, but they're a very different kind of thing. And there's certainly no centralized temple, everything like that. So when you put it all together, to say that we want to give it the authority of the monotheism from Avraham and that he's really there in our avoda, so to speak. I, I think that it's um I think it's a worthy goal, meaning to the link is there. It's not it's not a stretch to say that. So then to flesh it out, so to speak, I think is reasonable. Well, that's our enough discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell you what tell us what you think of Oh, everything on this stuff, including the connection to Avram. Thank you to Rabbanit Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron web website. Oh, and until tomorrow, go and learn. Music.